Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Team Fight Talk Show. It's a big day in TFT. If you're not watching this live, you're probably catching it later, and I don't blame you because we've got a huge, huge update uh, to the game hitting the servers uh, just a few hours ago. I'm joined, as always, by Frodan. How's it going, Frodan? It's going great. It feels kind of like uh, Christmas, you know, or like an early birthday. Uh, Seb 3.5 is really fun so far. It feels like it's a lot of variety, and I'm excited to chat with it with Whitrock today. Yeah, and I, I'm hearing a little bit of echo, speaking of Whitrock, uh, from our conversation from uh, Whitrock's microphone. So maybe we'll turn that down just a bit. But Whitrock, how are you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about some TFT. It's a yeah. fun time. Well, it's exciting. It's good to have you on, and uh, and I'm excited to see how the the conversation turns because you actually are very familiar with this set. That is <laughs> that is correct. Yes, as as the set design lead on the set and the update, I have I have some amount of familiarity. You can yeah, say. yeah. So I feel like perhaps having you on to discuss the release of this uh, will be the you know just perfect timing. Um, what? How long have you been working on the TFT stuff for? So I have been on TFT since the beginning. When we spiked the project in February of 2019 uh, to see if we could even make the thing, uh, I was on that initial team all the way through to release in June and then every set since then. So I've been from from the dawn of time. <laughs> and have you always had this role specifically on the on the TFT team? Uh more or less, uh, in I'd say when the project first started, we didn't even fully conceive of what a set design lead would be, or you know, were we going to even do sets in the way uh, that we always uh, are now? Not necessarily, but yeah, very early on, I was working on champions and traits and like systems related to to combat and and stuff that I'm still doing a lot of today. So. Well, are you are you the one to blame? Because we had Mordon right around the time that you guys announced that. And I get maybe I shouldn't say blame. Are you the the one responsible maybe for for shifting what we thought would be the next set into a mid set update? Uh, in in part, yeah. Uh, we we looked a lot at how we were feeling about the pace of sets, what was working, what wasn't, um, as well as like how internal to a set, uh, especially for launch and elements how how we could add new content to because that's honestly from the first moment a new set launches the first thing people ask is oh but can you add all this other stuff <laughs> and so we're and we're excited to right there's always these cool uh opportunities left on the table for for champions and traits that we can't fit into one set um and so yeah we're trying out this new approach you know every three 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 months this time around do a, a partial rotation stay on the same theme still planning for a set four in 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 some future but uh yeah it's a new 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 thing we're trying out and we want to we want to get feedback on it honestly see how well it goes if the pace feels right so in some future a very a very broad <laughs> broad way of putting it i don't want to capitalize on on all this conversation uh fred and i don't know if before we get into the this the conversation specifically about this patch and the set if you have any any questions for whitrock uh, I guess just more follow-up of what we've been talking about with Mort, um, you know, about a month or two ago, and just kind of like asking about how you feel uh, set three has been going, because there's a lot of opinions out there on how set <laughs> one felt versus set two versus uh, galaxies. Um, and, you know, obviously with the change of design philosophy, with change of pace of content, uh, you know, how, how have you been enjoying, I guess, or like monitoring uh, the player feedback uh, in terms of the reception to the set and the mid-set? Yeah, uh, I, I've been really excited by how Galaxies has gone, both in terms of uh, like how well we executed on the design, as well as just seeing the player response, honestly. Seeing a lot more people playing and be excited about the game is obviously a, a sign that something is going going well. But we kind of had some, some simple goals of take some things that were the best of set one and the best of set two, try to combine them. We're still learning a bunch of things that we're going to be able to fold into future things, especially around a lot of our systems or what does it mean to be a five cost? What what really is a, a good version of randomness and spectacle? Those types of things, which we'll be talking about more more in the future. But uh, I'm I've, Galaxy's blown me away, uh, uh, to be honest. It's yeah, good. definitely, it's, it's been my favorite set uh, so far. I feel like, uh, you know, I, just to be candid, I I was less interested in set two than I was in set one. Um, 
and I I really feel like Galaxy's brought it back, and I feel like you guys have done a really impressive job across the board in developing and embracing the theme of Galaxies. You know, in a lot of ways, it just looks so much more, uh, you know, dramatically different. I think from what we've seen from the past two sets, and really makes you feel like you're you're playing a a specific type of game. So it's been really cool to see see that. How uh, how long have you guys been working on this this update, and when did you know this decision come along to to you know change set three from being you know the the time that it was to extending it with this mid set update? I'm gonna forget exactly when we decided that, but I'll, I'll, I'll vaguely say it was pretty much as uh, Galaxies was launching is when we decided to do a, a mid set update. I remember starting to like plan around what especially since we knew we wanted to do something big enough that would require removing champions from a set which we had never done before i remember starting to plan a bit around like what could we even remove how far ahead do we need to plan around what is being removed versus being able to wait and see like kind of what's working or what's not or or where the best places to have additions would be so yeah pretty much as we were as we were launching (laughs) Can I ask, you know, what perhaps is a difference in responsibilities from you compared to uh, Mort Dog, who, you know, Mort's been very front-facing, and it feels like you're a lot more behind the shadows, but also equally influential. So what's the difference, or perhaps are you guys sharing responsibilities there? Yeah, so I, I mean, Mort is the design lead on all of TFT. So where I'm very narrowly focused on uh, set content, and we loosely define that as... Uh, the rotation of champions and traits is is kind of the core of it. But if it comes to things like broader permanent systems like items or even more meta concepts like how does our mana work or our roll percentages, those kinds of things. And and Mortscope okay. is even beyond that too. Like, hey, do, do we have a good player experience overall? Is our rank system good? Is our way that we're onboarding players uh, uh, good? So yeah, set, set, set design is a more narrow focus. Still a lot of forward-facing content, but uh, I, I get to uh, not focus on all the things. <laughs> yeah. So are you the one necessarily like creating the champions in terms of what they do in TFT, or are you talking about more the synergies and like the things that piece around it, like galaxies? And, and so then my core responsibility is final say, uh, minus veto from Mort, who has final, final say, uh, on uh, <laughs> what's in the set. So exactly what the roster is, what each champion's sure. spell is, their pricing, the traits, what the bonuses do, okay. um, all those things. Does Mort veto you often? Uh, no, no, honestly, I mean, we have a lot of conversations about like, hey, should we or should we not do certain things that could usually come can, to... Can you give an example? Um, I, I, the super mech is probably the big one from this set. We were, we were talking about that thing and what it could be and how it could work from the beginning of concepting for galaxies. And I went through a lot of, of versions that I think is still had some troubles, I think, in terms of exact balance and fantasy, but it's turned out pretty well for, I think, how potentially poorly it, it, it could have gone. <laughs> Was one of you more anti-mech than the other? So uh, both of us were 100% sold on there's going to be a super mech. The question is, what does that mean, <laughs> right? There, there, There's versions of that that are closer to Elementalist, where it's like, hey, you got an extra yeah. unit that's a little bit stronger. I pushed very hard for the point of this thing is interesting combinations uh, that make you think a lot about... Uh, uh, kind of versions of the mech uh that didn't ultimately actually come through a ton in the final design um we got a lot of the combinations around what comps do you fit the units into or what do you equip to the mech but we started from a very broad point of things like what if the mech can have nine items what if the there's a spatula so any unit can be a pilot that kind of stuff it's interesting to imagine the terrifying world in which all that would be a nine item mech that you can build yeah. out of any any unit is uh that's truly terrifying. <laughs> it should be. It's a super mech. Yes, yeah. Well either way, um so it's great to learn more about your role, what you do on the team. And I think it you know, I know Mort is always talking about how he wants to see more credit given to a lot of the other folks on the team because he he just absorbs it all with his streaming and Twitter and all that stuff. So I'm glad to to help him yeah, in his yes. endeavor. Of, uh, he absorbs 
literally everything though yes like, yeah, all exactly. the hate and the frustration and the rage of well i guess you know <laughs> since you mentioned mech back when mech infiltrator was it it felt like mort was getting like daily uh threads dedicated to him uh yeah to talk about like oh he doesn't know anything about design tft or, yes or any games ever i mean more dog is literally think- a term I'll take a moment to share a similar sentiment too, which is despite kind of uh, being the lead on, on set design, there's so many people that are helping out with set design. Not only a bunch of great designers who really get into the details of some of those mechanics, some of those units, but we have amazing audio and VFX and a whole art team behind things. So yeah, sets are sets are a huge, huge challenge and it's certainly not just me uh, working on sets either. Well, sure. uh, let's dive into a little bit of news before we we dive back into the midseason patch, where we'll spend most of our time, and then we'll we'll round things out with a mailbag at the end. But uh, some quick esports news now. Uh, Whitrock, I, I'm curious, and I don't, you know, I don't. Everybody is usually interested in esports in some way. I'm curious if you follow it as much as maybe Mort or some of the other folks on that end. I, I definitely don't follow it as closely as Mort. Unfortunately, my my head is often buried in in some future future set. So uh, yeah. uh, I, I I pay I pay attention and try to try to keep up a little bit. But sure, not. I mean it's definitely got to be interesting for you to see sometimes how your designs play out on the very top oh, end. Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, to that end. Uh, Frodo, you want to help us uh, take us through some of this stuff? I know uh, yeah. the previously contentious Team Liquid uh, Tactics Tournament has been hopefully improving and getting better. Yeah, on week three, it feels like things finally started uh, running. And, you know, th- this is how you kind of know that uh, there's actually a lot of merit to the competitive scene for TFT because people still keep showing up despite a couple of weeks of administrative headaches, uh, to say the least. And I think this is really important because we have a lot of games out there that developers want to push, and they want to make a competitive scene out of it. Um, and no matter how much you try, if there's not enough demand or interest in there, it's not going to happen. And it seems like very clearly, you know, despite weeks and hundreds of players kind of getting invested into it, um, Team Liquid hosting tournaments for the third week finally seems to be getting the system right seems to be flowing correctly and now we have you know robin songs who won and everyone knows uh that robin's like a top 10 challenger player and very skilled at the game and like it feels like things were finally starting to get momentum and people are very happy for him so very few complaints on that end so great job to the admin team over at liquid um and also just like great to see that because even though there are setbacks and hopefully we don't have to go through many iterations of this it just shows you how hungry people are for competitive in tft in general um just from the player side so i i love uh, that aspect of it, and I think that's probably like the, the nice silver lining to this episodic uh, thing known as the Team Liquid qualifiers. Uh, oh, that's so. That's it's good to hear that things are trending in a in a good direction over there, especially after um, you know I think how much we went on on them in previous episodes. Um, but the same, and uh, in Europe, I know that there's been some changes made to the EU qualifier qualifier finals format. I'm not sure if you're super clued in on what's going on over there, but um, if you want to share any of that information with us. Yeah, the, the idea is that um, they've generally just been listening to like the EU qualifier, which is just one of the hardest things to talk about because uh, one of the, the trickiest things about TFT right now is just the separation of servers relative to how uh, League of Legends Summoner's Rift has separated everything. So Europe has you know EU West and EU East and also, like different like regions that might be part of Europe technically, but not really, like Turkey. So it's it's really tricky right now. But overall, they've done a, an an overhaul and they're trying to qualify sixty four players to the finals, which is a lot more than just like you know sixteen players, for example. Um, and they're giving them like five rounds. And overall, the the, the sentiment is that this was like a much better way, and they did listen to it um, to the players because you know they're, they're having regional qualifiers as well that seeds them into the finals. So overall, I think a lot of people are happy with how wide the net has been cast. Um, and it just gives a lot of people hope as opposed to like, well, I, I have to be two player, two players that qualify from like a list of like hundreds, if not thousands of competitors. I'm trying to think if there's any other news. I know we don't have any others in, in the stuff. I think everything's been kind of um, waiting. I feel like we've been in a holding pattern for this set to hit uh, for the past couple of weeks. And so even I like... I, I mean, I know you guys can't talk too much about player base uh, with Rock, but I, for me, it's like I see the mid-season set, set is coming, and I'm like, 
Yeah, maybe I'll just wait a little bit, play some Runeterra, play some some other stuff, and wait for the new the new lineup to hit. For sure. Yeah. I, I, honestly, we think that's great. Uh, TFT does not need to be a game where you're playing it every day, every week, forever, right? The the set model, uh, I think, has a lot of benefits of play for a while, take some breaks, play other games because we play a lot of games uh, and then, you know, try uh, try to come back when there's a new set or a half set or honestly, whatever makes sense for you. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about the new set, uh, which is now available. I have played in exactly one game uh, of it so far um, and got dominated by Battlecast. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, uh, how, what do you think of, the the set landing today with rock how close is it to where you you wish it would be um you know in your in your mind because obviously when you're designing something and you've got a release date stuff doesn't always make the cut yeah um i've been pretty excited by what i'm seeing so far uh it looks like basically every new champion and trait is seeing at least some rumblings of how to make it really strong uh, some more than others but uh uh, you know, people are, are trying to pick some stuff up, and it looks like we didn't significantly displace uh, a lot of pre-existing compositions. In fact, a lot of things that were already struggling from the, the first half of content, also with some changes and tweaks to them, either direct or indirect, are, are having some some revival. It's early, but we always have to see kind of as the, the, the meta settles and develops, but Honestly, early days, it's if people are trying a lot of different things, that's what we're looking for out of TFT. Yeah. So. I mean, oftentimes this is my favorite part in a in a game whenever it feels like there's no right or wrong way to play the yeah. game before it's like, I'm sorry, you have. And, you know, sometimes only two strategies, sometimes as many as five or six or seven. Those are great times, too. But when there's like, oh, you're doing it wrong. So uh, I'm I'm really excited for for these points in time. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about because I know when we had Mort on, he talked about this news because it was just coming out, but we weren't able to really dive into all the different announcements and the things that were added to the game. So, what were some of the high level goals that you guys had when you came into this refresh in terms of what you're adding and removing that type of stuff? Yeah, so on on the goals level, that that really was the the, the very core of it was a refresh. We said, hey, we're only adding uh, a, a, a chunk of champions n- nowhere near the amount of a full set and it's already been three months right like normally uh in the previous two sets we'd be talking about a, a month a month and a half from now a, another full rotation so we said hey with a, a a smaller number of champions how can we make a big impact and so we did some uh, mixture of trying to remove kind of very specific slices of things um, trying to add some more bigger strategies, like a full new six piece in uh, in battle cast, and then a a large uh, 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 minor synergy in in Astro, and some some individual champions that could add some some freshness and diversity to to existing champs. So that was kind of the name of the game: is how can we uh, have it feel? And I, I'm excited people are describing it this way: feel like a new set, even though it's not. <laughs> yes. What what was the decision behind what you were going to remove? Were they things that you you just felt were overpowering, or I mean, maybe boring? I, I'm I'm curious what yeah. the decision was so there. The the core driving factor behind what was removed was practicality. Uh, TFT is an extremely intertwined system in terms of its champions and trait structure, so there were only so many options that wouldn't basically break things uh, uh, for lack of a better term in terms of either making compositions way too hard to pursue or not having like good mixtures, which we focus more on this set of especially linear builds, having like a good enough amount of utility and damage options and CC. Um, So uh, we found some good like pieces that we could slice off and, and, ways that we could slot in replacements there so uh, people have speculated a lot about like hey was kale just so overpowered that you had to remove her or or conversations like that and it it honestly was much less uh, about that and more (laughs) and 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 more about what what made what what made sense it could still uh keep the core of galaxies intact while feeling very fresh I mean, it is, it is, you can understand why people have that impression because it does feel like everything that was removed was relatively strong and saw a lot of play. And I don't know if that's because at some point in time, everything has been 
relatively strong and seen a lot of play, but like I think about Sona mana battering, I think about Velkaz being in so many builds, uh, just lasering down the opponents, and it's it's easy to look at this and be like, well, you know, like even Kaisa seems like somebody who was probably particularly hard to deal with once you could just demo spat her so frequently. And de- demo uh, spat and Kaisa are both God, right? So it's just, it's kind of yeah. a funny situation. Yeah, only only very few of those things kind of influenced our final decisions. I'd say of the nine champions we removed, I'm going to forget my exact timeline here, but I want to say we had all but one, uh, at least... 80% confident that they were the removal candidates in like patch 10.8 or something like that. And the two wow. that did swap a little bit later were one was one was that demo spat. We basically I was excited to have a battle cast spatula, but it was like, eh, do we really want to swap one? And when demo stat spat was causing a lot of problems, we were like, cool, that's a good opportunity. And then the only other that came pretty last minute, but for actually very unrelated reasons to power was we were going to remove karma and we instead removed Lux. So, okay. uh, but everything else stayed, stayed the same. Can you reveal why you made that change? Yes. Uh, it was as we solidified Bard's design, actually, we wanted to make sure that Bard wasn't poor to any traits. And so we liked for mystic still being around and we liked Bard being a mystic. And so removing uh, a mystic and making it so you had to be playing for mystic uh, or had to be playing bard if you were playing for mystic and that's especially painful because you're often playing for mystic when you're level nine and bard doesn't do anything uh yeah. so we, we didn't like that and wanted to make sure we kept a kept a, a fifth mystic in there uh well Froden, i don't know if if you have any uh specific questions about this set as we're going through it i don't want to Um, so I guess, you know, I, I could talk about like things, uh, throughout. So what's your new favorite champion that's, uh, introduced with the mid set? Oh, I I don't know that I could pick one favorite. This is what I'm, I'm worst at. I, I'll, I'll, I'll cheat and say two. I, I, I love where Riven ended up. Um, I think she's got a very unique place in the set. Um, kind of, a something that focuses less on her traits, Although I think it's a little uh, underappreciated how good she can be with getting some uh, more attack speed and, and getting her spell casts off quicker. Um, but her pattern is very fun, and she does something very kind of riven and 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 exciting, which is which is cool. Always cool to see in, in TFT from a from a like Summoner's Rift League League player perspective, especially. Um, and then I'll also say Bard because I think we'll we'll uh, it'll, it'll be a journey. We'll see kind of how he ends up and how players play around him yeah. over the course of the set. But uh, I think we need to kind of be yeah. trying different different designs like that and see see how they how they go. So. What's your response to when people say, you know, champions like Urgot feel hard to, you know, like, like they, they basically don't like losing to champions like Urgot. I know people don't like losing in general, <laughs> but like they specifically point at champions like Urgot where they see, you know, a, a guaranteed kill on anything that he targets and how it feels super impactful and uh, also sometimes hard to play around and whatnot. So what, what's your response to that when you're like trying to introduce something powerful, right? Because you, you want the new champions to actually do stuff. Don't want yep. them to just be non-impactful, but you know wh- how how do you feel like that when people start reacting like ah oh, it's just like obnoxious even if it's balanced data wise or it's actually totally okay? Yeah, I think there's there's two halves of that. One is uh, on kind of the individual details of what the champion does. It, I, kind of to your point, it's it's okay for them to be powerful, right? And our belief here is that it's okay for a five cost unit to with no conditions other than they had to build up some mana and cast their spell to one shot a unit, despite how tanky they are. But it's definitely important that there's uh, counterplay and responses at pretty much every stage of the game. So at no point should you be like, oh no, there's a a two-star Urgot with three items. I have nothing that I can do uh, against them, either in terms of changing up my composition or repositioning uh, the composition. And And that's one we're honestly keeping a really close eye on is hey, is Urgot's targeting paradigm actually right? Because right now it is supposed to be somewhat favorable towards the opponent where they can kind of hide their units or put them very close to Urgot if they're melee to try to uh, avoid at least their most powerful unit being the first thing that dies in a fight. Um, and if that counterplay isn't isn't shining through in the positioning game, we'll, we'll, we'll probably need to take a look, to be honest. Um, but... Hmm. Uh, 
yeah, so so there always needs to be counterplay, um, and there should be uh, uh, not ubiquitous power as well. I think that's the other piece of Urgot is, is it actually correct to just, just put him in every comp once you're level nine? I don't think so, but we'd also consider that to be a problem, um, is if you feel like there's no cost to running him. I don't think that one's coming true, to be honest. When I see people talking about Urgot, it's often, wow, he's so strong, I want him in every comp. But how do I get him into my comp? I don't. I don't have the room. How do I play him? So uh, that's that's the exact thing we want out of a five cost. So that mm-hmm. that that seems to be working to me. I mean, we. Yeah. I, I guess I could have asked you this question in the uh, the beginning when we were kind of going over stuff. But you know, on the League of Legends side, I know someone's Rift side. I know that maybe a little more complicated than this, but you generally have like the two teams, right? The one that's developing the champions and the people that are designing them, and then they pass them over to the balance team and are like, cool, deal with this crazy champion that I have crafted and nerf it over the next two patches till it's in a good place. Um, do you, is there something similar at all on the TFT side? Do you, are you also responsible for a lot of the balancing once the stuff goes live? So uh, I would say we don't have, having also worked on on the Summer's Rift team, I can say we don't have quite as much of a handoff um, as as League of Legends does. The our, our team is just more integrated with each other, so it's hard to point at the exact moment things get handed off. In terms of responsibility, yeah, we do have a, have some um, some division there, and so I uh, the work I do and the work that uh, the kind of sets focused designers do. Uh, does focus less on hey what do we need to do if ergot is a problem in 1013 or 1014 which is a lot of where you see uh mort being very front facing because he is uh uh like primary or one of his primary responsibilities is the uh week to week patch to patch balance of the game so if we're going to hot fix things what we're doing exactly but but i i'm in most if not all of those those conversations and we're we're a little bit more lockstep i would say than than uh the league of legends process so are there any is there anything out that you released where you're like, well, I we're gonna I kind of expect that they're gonna need to do something about this. Um I so I I think Orgot is still the, the best example. I think players are responding and we'll see kind of if the counterplay plays through. Um I'm also just a little bit interested to see how how Paragon plays out. I, I'm pretty happy with where Janna is at um in terms of CC and occasionally a capstone for Star Guardian, but this is on the 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 sharper end of of counters that we can introduce, um, and also has some properties of of almost a uh, uh, one of our more intense APM moments. I think when when Janna is more mastered of hey, I have a Janna, they have some amount of armor I need to get through, but they have the like second Mystic on their bench, which would actually make slotting her into a non-star guardian team specifically where you're not getting that true damage um have that that kind of trade-off moment so we'll see if 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 uh the game kind of uh, uh robustly stands up to that kind of play i think it can be very interesting but it can also be very taxing so conversely are there any champions that you are that you've released where you're like oh i really want this to work but i'm worried that perhaps like it just inherently you know, like Bard or whatever, like those types of more complex stuff, I feel like is is where I would if worry, I guess, if I were you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always going to be the stuff that is 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 more different than everything else is also you've you've less uh like hooks and practice and things that you've learned over time in order to to relate it to things you've learned. So the super mech is I think a great example of uh, no one knew exactly how powerful a single super unit needs to be as a trait to be appropriately powerful to delete three of your units for the first X seconds of combat and have the power budget of a trait that requires exactly three units and one of them is a four cost, right? Like, how powerful does that need to be? And, and we've playtested and learned a lot over time. Or, or, or similarly, um, actually, I think a great one from this set has been uh, Space Pirate 4. Uh, how, er, with something that is gated behind a 5 cost and gives you literally no power the first turn that you field it, how much deferred power and how quickly does that deferred power need to be paid out for it to be something that feels legitimate to do and not be so crazy that you feel like, oh, that guy who high-rolled the GP on 
stage four at some point already has you know twice the items than me or something how can right. i possibly possibly win um so yeah th- those are those are hard hard problems that we uh need to always you know hash out and then figure out if they're worth taking the risk is the fun upside worth it and and have those kind of conversations right and what are you seeing so far from this set and this update and patch are there anything that's standing out to you uh, in terms of like how everything is shaping up, uh, the compositions that seem to be the early candidates to for what people are climbing with. The first thing is protectors. Protectors are uh, what many people consider to be the strongest comp on day one. Uh, is that just because Urgot is a protector? Uh, actually, because of Aurelian Soul. If you're able to uh-huh. get a protector chest and place it on Aurelian Soul and then give Aurelian Soul stats like health. Um, a really common build is to play Warmogs, uh, Bramble Vest, and Protector Chest. And then Aurelian Soul will never die. <laughs> and the only way you can actually uh, usually kill the Aurelian Soul is if you get a very fortunate like Jin to, to kill it off and your opponent isn't having a Bramble Vest. Um, and, and then eventually like other units like Urgod and all of them will weigh them, wear them down over time. Um, and then you see a lot of sorcerers, like you talk about mech sorcerer being a possibility that's being played, you know, the Riven compositions out there, uh, Gangplank Sorcerer. It seems like um, with Star Guardians and Janna and, and sorcerers in general, it seems like they're back and Victor is very powerful. And then the third, uh, the third composition that I think a lot of people are playing right now are snipers. Um, I personally love Teemo. I, it's actually really fun. And I think that if I were to kind of talk with Whitrock a little bit and throw it back to him is that... Um, you know, Timo seems to be one of the highest requested champion in TFT for quite some time now, and I feel like it was uh, almost trollish to not put Timo in the set three originally when you're going to do like <laughs> astronaut Timo, and yet he wasn't there. So yes, that's what I was yeah. saying. Yeah, was that was that kind of the whole thing? You're like, ah, we're, we if we know we're going to do a mid set, we're going to definitely release Timo so that people can get excited. Uh, and I, I will say, I knew that, and we knew that. Uh, there were more Astro skins being made uh, between an initial launch and right. our opportunity to, at that time it was maybe not a mid set, but like, Hey, if we're going to do even like more uh, traditional uh, champions patch versus patch, there was still, there was still a good opportunity there. Uh, super excited to get Timo into the game. Um, although I, I always say we're going to get every champion at some point in TFT. Um, and it, you know, sometimes the, the, the the theme doesn't match, or we'll have something in a set and it'll get cut at, at some point. But but we want to be able to pay off those opportunities. A huge part of the challenge of Teemo, to be honest, was uh, you know, with all the hype building, could we pay it off? And very specifically, uh, I think it would have been tough for Teemo to have been anything but a higher cost champion. Right? There's a one cost version of Teemo that blinds something or or has some very basic ability. Um, but uh, and and Timo also doesn't do anything uh, just with his native summoner's rift uh, kit that is super right. flashy, right? Like the the whole point of the champion is that you're like kiting people around; they're slowly dying to poison. People are stepping on mushrooms on the other side of the map that Timo doesn't even like watch. Um, but mushrooms seemed like a cool fantasy, and I think we found a, a pretty good way to to try to pay that off. So. I'm excited for Timo, and I'm excited he's showing up in in builds. I think people were yeah. sleeping on him a little bit on PBE, although he got some some balance as well. So, yeah, those four sniper builds uh, look very good right now. Um, I was able to win a game actually right before the show about an hour ago, um, and it just feels very solid. So it feels like it's a really good place. Um, and you might still see some of the old stuff like cybernetics and blasters and. Uh, you know, all of them, they're still not going anywhere. They're still very solidly in there. If anything, they still might be some of the best comps in the game. So we don't know. But it seems like everyone's really enjoying the the variety of builds. I think one of the coolest builds that I've seen right now is uh, a Zed Hyper Carry, where you play Blade Master on Zed. You make him a Blade Master, and then you get him the three star along with Yasuo and Master Yi. And it's just like it, it is slash city. Like every they just come out, every one of your carries just dies. Zed's infiltrating, so he's going to the back and immediately assassinating your carry. Um and it also surprised me how effective that was. So it seems like there's a lot of really cool builds emerging on day one, Travis. When you see or hear about like those the Aurelian soul builds where you make him into a, a protector and all that stuff, um, how often are you guys able to to predict these especially with the spatula these kind of like less conventional builds 
Uh, I'd say decently. We usually have some sense of what the different like options and a lot of what we talk about with spatulas is, you know, who who's this going to be best on? How what are you going to do to use that blade of the ruined king? How good is it going to be on Zed? How good is it going to be on Vayne? Same same with protector. Basically, anything that was well, if you're a frequent caster or pretty tanky or a combination of both, how how good do we think that's going to be? We're still treating spatulas as as a premier moment, right? Like. You can't force a spatula build. Um, they're just too rare. Uh, and so we have to account for their relative rarity in how powerful they get to be at the top end. And that means it probably gets to have less uh, counter options than just a more standard comp. It can't have none. And I think we've already talked about here, like, yeah, there's still times that Jin's going to kill it. Or you're going to slot in an Urgot and can still kill the Aurelian soul. I've seen Syndra's with enough repeated casts and stacks just do so yeah. much damage that that thing dies in one shot, right? Like, so so we'll, 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 uh, we're, we're accounting for that stuff. We're paying attention. I wouldn't say we perfectly always understand the full build. That, that That's maybe the next step of, like, sometimes players will have, like, one or two units that are slotted differently than than the way we perfectly expect, and that could change dramatically how good a, a composition is in the end game. But um, we're we're learning and testing more stuff every day. So, Brodin, so are you seeing Aurelian Souls okay. on the radar? But obviously, <laughs> you're not you're not going to change anything. There's no hot fix, right? People basically saying like, "Oh, Aurelian Soul needs to be hot fixed," and I guess that's another question. Like, where when does that become something that you do actually consider? Like when. When does a champion or an interaction become so egregious that you feel like you do need to step in and hotfix something like the Ziggs patch that happened with the hotfix there? Yeah, I, I can't speak to this in super, super detail, but I'll say that we're, we're, we have those conversations almost every day after the patch is going out. Maybe not all the way to the point of, are we going to hotfix something today, but what looks like it might need to be uh, you know, mid-patch mid deployed and certainly what seems high on the radar for, for the next patch. Um, we look at obviously if there is an answer. I, I think we're pretty sure at this point that there's there's ways to kill it, right? There there are other compositions that have been able to kill it, but that's where we can lean back a little bit on data, which can take some some time to have enough information and, and coalesce um, on. Okay, just because you can answer it doesn't mean it doesn't win ninety eight percent of the time or something if it's in your final build, right? So we have to we have to you know. Give some time for players to to adapt, try to find their own answers a bit, uh, be confident in our bets as to what we believe the answers are, and then if it turns out we're we're wrong on the exact balance, do either a, a an update or a, or a hot fix or something like that. Because I assume a lot of the people tuning into this episode either right now or uh, once we go to VOD and podcast uh, are trying to learn more about this set. Um, is there anything that you think? is really strong right now that people haven't discovered? Hmm, I don't know how much I want to, to spoil the, the things. I mean, I, you don't need to give us the full build, but I'm I'll, just curious. Okay, if... I'll, I'll give, I actually will give one specific, um, okay. because I, I think players are probably not too far off of it, which is a similar relationship that uh, uh, Zed can have to Blade of the Ruined King with easy access to two other Blade Masters in the same trait. Vayne has the same thing going on. So I expect to see a Blademaster Vayne at least attempted at some point. Um, maybe it won't be very good, but I, I think it's something to, to look out for. And then a less specific one is, I think players will take some time, but there's a lot of things that Bard enables. Um, so because people figure, you know, the basics are there. You're going to lose some rounds more often than you would early. You're going to accelerate your experience curve. What you can do if your experience curve is accelerated substantially is a much different question. And I think there's a lot of potential answers to that question. So we'll see. I mean, I do remember you were just talking about Space Pirates a little bit ago. So I think yeah, uh, yeah. it would be interesting to see if you get a bunch of gold and a bunch of XP and then very quickly get a bunch of items. Um, that could be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we want to talk about on this set specifically uh frodan if um, i'm trying to think if yeah, i'll talk about everything if if you let me uh, yeah i mean go yeah. go for it we have the time so <laughs> sure um so you know i think some of the the things like people are talking about are like you know galaxy odds hey, how do you feel like about the state of galaxies right now um i know you didn't add anything for this set but you know were you happy with little littler legends because i think most people were 
uh, a little bit averse to the, the Little Legends because they were. Just yeah, I don't like Little Legends. I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, some people don't like the fact that they have less time to get their compositions online. Um, as well as like you know, now that we've seen other galaxies pan out, have you have your feelings on the galaxies changed? I know that Lilac rotating out was uh, well received by at least a lot of the, the surface level polls out there. Yeah, galaxies are always going to be tricky because uh, uh, a certain degree of them is uh, like novelty and uh, differ- differentiated experience game to game. And so, yeah, there could be discomfort around, hey, either options that I have in other galaxies or in the normal galaxy are uh, turned away here, or even the general feeling. And I think this is the the, the core criticism against literal literal legends is is i just have less options right the game is a little bit more more contained and and solved um i think those can be good candidates for for removal we have talked about the fact that we'll still be planning to add one galaxy a patch but from now on that will come with one galaxy being removed for per patch is the is the general plan um so we're, we're trying to kind of get our final uh, evaluations of where those things are, and, and and we want people to keep giving giving that feedback too on not only the thing the ones that you don't like, but what are the ones that you really do like as well um, to to kind of balance out like, hey, what are yeah, what what are the different experiences we're seeing? I'm I'm worried I'm going to reveal my ignorance because maybe this has already been addressed, or so there's some large story there, and I just wasn't paying attention whenever it was going through development. But I will say sometimes I go to a drive through. And I would like to order a small beverage and they only have medium and large. And I feel a similar sense with littler legends and medium legends um, where I don't understand why it's not just little legends and large legends. I mean, yeah. the starting point is their starting point is the little legend. And so when you go one step up from little legend, you get a medium legend. It's not a medium the legend reply. Like a legend or a big legend or something like that would exist. Yeah, the big the big legends are are are, are the champions. I don't know, uh, or or there's a bigger, badder little legend out there that you just haven't seen yet. I don't know. Okay, I'm glad to hear that my concerns were not unfounded. Anyway, uh, <laughs> grande legend. Fred, what else you got? Um, you know, yeah, I guess just like other general small questions here and there, uh, the ranked reset, what was the goal from that? I think like, obviously most, you just want to give people incentive to play for, but there's also like, you know, competitive snapshots being taken. Uh, and there's also like that, you know, that kind of qualification system for the esports side of TFT. So, you know, what's the, what's the thinking behind there? And like, are you happy with even how the rank system is currently like functioning with that? Cause I know there's a lot, I actually have a follow-up question for that. So go ahead and answer that first. And um, so I, I can definitely answer the, the kind of goals and, and uh, part of that, which is, yeah, there's a kind of a lot changing with this mid set. And we think uh, uh, TFT benefits from more frequent resets of, of, uh, of the rank system, or at least these kind of soft, uh, start over your placements and your art climb to a degree. Um, so that's one we're excited for. It, it does have a different pace, right? Obviously, the alternative is oh, the if we stay with something like uh, uh, three month uh, mid season, six month set, uh, the other option is well, six month ranked reset. That would have been longer than our normal resets before. So something was going to change, right? About the actual number of months uh, this next reset was going to be. So uh, I, and at this point, I haven't really even looked at, at, at how's that going. Is that changing okay. the way that players play or, or how, how it's going? But that's that's kind of the goal is, hey, if everything's changing pretty substantially and there's some desire to reset some of those climbs, let's give that as an opportunity. Okay, sure. Um, have you guys uh, entertained the idea of not letting people queue up simultaneously at high, le- uh, high level specifically? Um, there's been like discussions about around abuse of people who are like queuing together and like intentionally like helping each other boost rankings at like masters to grandmasters slash challenger level. I mean, we we very explicitly try to shut down any any boosting or kind of explicit cheating, right? Um, I don't know as well if there's been serious talks about uh, uh, that behavior becoming more more probable. Uh, pro- uh, prominent or problematic, sorry, uh, 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 more recently. Um, 
if it would be, I think we'd be looking how to specifically shut those things down more than completely restrict uh, players from from playing with each other. But um, sure, sure. we we revisit those things fairly often, regardless, right? Like, are the assumptions that we made around the way players play how much they actually even queue together, right? Like, maybe maybe that doesn't actually matter that much to the to the top of the ladder at the end of the day. I I, I don't know, but um, it's the kind of thing we revisit pretty regularly. But that's what I'm. I'm not as, as equipped actually to answer the super fair details enough, of enough. the status of that one, unfortunately. So sure. Well, then, then how about this one? Uh, yeah. A big change, you know, for some players uh, is small things uh, in the game that you improve, like the bug fixing. And one of them was uh, mana bugging, which <laughs> yeah. was if you equipped a tier onto your champion before the battle started, and then complete an item mid battle, it would gain an extra mana as if it was uh, equipped the second time. Um, so, you know, that was finally fixed. And so, and for a long time, it was not fixed. And all of a sudden, and we were told that it was not really an easy fix. And all of a sudden it came about. So is there a story behind this as to how you eventually fixed mana bugging? Because that was definitely a really, uh, nuanced thing that I felt like no player would ever really know how that worked unless they were told it. Yeah, you, you mean the mana, the mana feature, uh, as it almost mana became. Feature, um, right. <laughs> yeah, mana yeah. Feature. uh, this was the game for a long time. Uh, and... We, I mean, we've known about it since players started talking about it, and more and more, I think it's it hasn't gained mass awareness by any means. It's not like everyone's doing this every game, but if you're a highly skilled player, this could be a, a, a like or was a was a small edge. Um, and we had some sense of this would take a long time to like try to fix because uh, without getting into too much crazy or confusing detail, it was like you know, pretty core to the way our mana system was functioning. Um, but we kept it on our radar because it's like, yeah, hey, it's a pretty bad bug. Um, I, I actually then went and went back and looked at it at, at one point and was, was you know, had some opportunities to, to dig back into some bugs. And we had changed some of the fundamentals. We have awesome engineers had, had changed some of the fundamentals of how mana worked and it became easier to fix, basically. So it, it, we had more time to, to put into it and, and not kind of risk breaking our whole mana system uh, uh, by by changing this one thing. So This is the second time we've had a writer on the show where they say, Frodo, I know what I want to say, where there was a bug that existed, and it's like, this was a huge bug for a while. We all knew it was a thing, and then we realized it was actually an easy fix, and so then we fixed it. What, what was the thing that Mort <laughs> said was an easy fix, uh, Frodo? Uh, it was showing items when you're on the carousel. Oh, yes, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see your own items on your board if you were looking at your own composition. Yeah, yeah. On the carousel. And, and, and Mort had implied that it was an easier fix than they had expected, and so they were able to change it uh, much faster than, than initially. So all I'm suggesting is, maybe you guys take like a day, and you go and you review some of these top bugs and see maybe they might be easier to fix than you you expect. This is a trend I'm noticing. Yeah, yeah. Although I'll give I'll give the game developer behind the curtain a little bit, which is uh, something can have been very difficult to fix and can become easier to fix based on something seemingly unrelated. So actually, in this case, I think uh, the initial assessment when we looked at that bug a few months ago was correct. It was going to be very hard to fix and require some pretty fundamental uh, re-engineering of our mana system. We did some of that re-engineering, not specifically for the mana system, but for items in general. And so then me as a designer, when I went back and looked at it again, went, oh, this is now pretty easy to fix, even though it probably wasn't in the past. And and who knows what other things have become easy to fix in that time, too. That's yep. all I'm saying. I, I hear you on maybe some things become easier over time, but if that one has, maybe some of these other things have too. Um, I'm just I'm just messing with you, but I, I it's cool to hear. It's always great, obviously, whenever especially these little quality of life changes get better. Uh, I know that you have prepared uh, Rodan because he's a, a game master. I know this from back whenever he used to live in Germany and wore outfits next to spinning wheels. Um, he, he has often brought games to this show or quizzes or tests. And, uh, when we've had rioters on, we've, we've switched it Mart Mark quizzed us on some stuff. And I, my understanding is I've been told by our, our producers that you have some trivia or some questions for us. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, as a follow-up to, to more, I didn't actually get to see this, the segment, but I saw the questions, um, okay. uh, 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 to see, uh, try to stump you guys on some TFT knowledge. Mort had the approach of, of some things that were 
uh, almost unknowable from your perspective. Things around like popularity of builds and stuff. Yes, like that. but I still did quite well because Mart Mart was so clearly his was very political. It was very right. he was very much trying to communicate messages ah. um, and lessons to people about you know their expectations around things. So it was very easy to just play to read his mind on these things. But so, anyway, so, I'm excited. Uh, what approach you're going to yeah. take? So mine is more of a true quiz. This is this is actually oh, TFT okay. knowable knowledge, and I'm okay. Just I'm screwed. Knowable how 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 much you've been paying attention to a certain certain detailed aspects of things. Uh, some of these, right. some of these might right. be easier than others. I won't say they're yeah. all very hard, but we'll we'll see. Okay. All right. Um, so let's uh, are things I'm trying to look at the right. Here we go. All right. I'll 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 read out the question. I guess so. First, <laughs> first one is. Of the 14 new champions we're adding in, in Galaxies, which has the highest base attack speed? And there's a multiple choice, but there's five. So it's between Kogma, Riven, Teemo, Vayne, and Zed. Yeah, I, I haven't even built... I've only <laughs> ran something with two of these, so I... Difficult. Um, oh, jeez. I wouldn't know in terms of the highest base attack speed. Uh, I feel like it would be something not very obvious, uh, like Riven or Zed, because the other ones are like range carries, and you would expect them to have the highest attack speed. But uh, they generally don't do that because they don't want to make certain of these champions too strong, I think, as a baseline stat, because you're going to give them attack speed items anyways. I'm so say my, my guess would be Riven or Zed. I'm gonna go with Timo. All right, we have Timo. it's a good guess. It's a good guess. We have Timo, Timo from Travis. What? Yeah, right. if you have to pick one, I think I think you have to. I'm gonna if, go with one answer. You have to give one answer. Okay. I'm gonna go with Riven because it's another t- uh, tier four unit. Uh, I like that. All right, all right. And the, the correct answer is Timo. Travis, oh, Travis is God. Travis is correct. Actually, by a, a reasonably significant margin, he starts at 1.0 uh, attack speed. Oh, um, wow. As someone who you don't generally equip other attack speed or AD items on, but someone we wanted a high rate of attacking and a little bit more mana generation uh, baseline versus needing to build a, a blue buff or something. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. And Timo is very good. So, there yeah. you go. Alright. Second question. These are not all, all easy. So, not including an increase to his spell damage. What changed about Cho'Gath's Rupture spell between Launch Set and Galaxy? So this was, you know, first champ that completely kept his traits, all that stuff. But we did change something about his spell. And the four options are his cast animation was made faster. The impact radius was increased. The knock-up duration was reduced. Or his targeting paradigm changed from random to highest current mana. I'm gonna go with D because I I feel like you guys made a bunch of changes to targeting paradigms uh, over the course of these sets, and I I feel like it's likely that Cho'Gath received one of those. Yeah, I I agree with that one as well. Uh, although if you told me the cast animation was made faster, it wouldn't surprise me as well. But I I, th- I do that was my first initial thought as well as D. All right, both going with D. Yeah. Yeah. The, the correct answer is that the radius of Cho'Gath's spell increased between oh. set one and set three. Yes. Uh, I, I the D was a little bit of a trap because I've heard very many players swear by the methods uh, of manipulating their Cho'Gath to cast uh, exactly where they want him to. And the answer is Cho'Gath <laughs> does, does, does cast on a random uh, center point of a unit. Um, but we actually increased the radius because we ported him one-to-one uh, from set one, and the oh, ultimate okay. felt very small initially uh, on the bigger board. And so oh, we, right. we made it bigger. <laughs> so a little okay. trick question there, because in terms of screen screen. Yeah, yeah, I thought that's what it was because I have heard that before. So yep. it was huh, bigger, interesting. Okay, bigger, bigger board means bigger spells. Turns out, so got you baited. <laughs> All right, and for the the the, the final question, a uh, little. This is history uh, for our fault or things that have changed, <laughs> including uh, mid patch updates. Uh, which of the champions has made the most appearances in patch notes since Galaxy's launch, not including bug fixes? And when I say appearances, I mean were they or were they not in the patch? So if you know if if Syndra got five changes, I'm only count- in in ten eight. I'm only counting one of those changes. Right, right. So the the number of patch notes, not how many changes were made. 
Yes, yes. And this includes hotfixes or mid-patch updates. Oh, okay. So Ziggs gets an I'm, extra one. So, Yep. <laughs> Travis, what do you think? <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna, I want to say, I think Aurelian Soul's been tweaked so many times. It feels like to me, just because like, the mana's been changed, the, uh, I mean, even just like recently, the attack speed got changed, and then the damage, and then like all these different things. It kept felt did, like it felt like Aurelian Soul kept getting tweaked a lot. Did uh, Ziggs not get buffs? Earlier I mean, on, Ziggs did get uh, buffs and also nerfs and also hot fixes. So yeah, that's why I want to say Ziggs. like Ziggs was my my impulse pick. Okay, so you're gonna go with Ziggs. I'm I'm gonna say Aurelian Soul. And... All right, Ziggs and Aurelian Soul. Locked, yeah, locked in. Final answer. Because <laughs> because Zaya has got did get a lot of changes, but it felt but that like... was towards the end. And the only I feel like when you look at the the whole period of the set, I feel like she didn't really rise in prominence, which might mean that she got little buffs in the beginning that I don't remember. Um, but wait, so uh, it's it's directly to the champion, right? It's not like so someone in chess like oh, if you like Dark Star got buffed or correct, correct. That's not affecting Shaker. Yeah. Okay, this has to be direct. This is obviously you know spell change, spell numbers, health. Also, if there's like a, a fundamental change, like if uh, like Yasuo's targeting change, for example, would would uh, be okay. would, would be included here, just not strictly bugs in the bug fix section. Okay. Okay, I, I'm sticking. By my, I'm I'm sticking to my guns, so I'm going with Aurelian Soul. Travis, you're going with E Ziggs, right? Yeah. All, All right. right. We're ready. So the answer is you're both correct. I've I've cheated on this question. <laughs> these 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 are the five champions that changed the most uh, since right. the launch of Galaxies. They all changed in four different patches total. So they were all they were all. So the we are all winners with this. Oh, question. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> this wow. Is, this is a, this was a more we like, were... hey, I just wanted to say <laughs> what champions have changed the most was uh, oh, all, I, all I wanted to say. Yeah, I would have appreciated your tact more if one of these had not changed as much as the rest. So there was just a single pitfall where if somebody picks it. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. Although the the part of part of the, the origin of this question was I assumed that there would have been a winner when I went and tried to this question and did the research into it and when five people were tied for first i went well that's the question i guess yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair um all right well i wait did we who won did friday win no i certainly lost because i only the only question i got right was one fifth correct oh i got i won <laughs> right i, I got averaged right. less than an answer right yes uh, well i uh i Timo. really appreciate there yes. you go i um I got a shout out to Twitch chat because that's definitely the reason I picked Timo. Uh, I was completely cheated when they started saying Timo has won. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the mailbag to to round out the show. You go ahead and uh, pull up. Oh boy, here we go. Delicious milk question. So, uh, yeah, the first question comes from Delicious Milk. Why so many champs designed to be re-roll comps? Mm. <laughs> good rock um so uh I'll, I'll figure out how to answer this question exactly because we we, we don't think about reroll comps in terms of champions designed to be reroll comps there is a consequence of the way we design especially more so for galaxies which was an attempt to have more carries in the set right we said hey we want more units at different price points uh especially in in set four a lot of things had coalesced around the four cost Point, with some shout outs to things like uh, Azir and and Siver at the three cost. But we said, hey, we want to see things like, you know, three star Zed as, as an example of something in, in the update or uh, uh, how Syndra operated at different times throughout, throughout the mid set. So we just had more carries. Um, when it became very powerful through, uh, you know, different changes to the total bag system and rolling system, that meant that it became really strong to try to force some of those, some of those carries. And we've had to make uh, adjustments uh, accordingly. So, uh, I mean, this is a place we're going to try to take a lot of learnings into what are good versions of comps that are more focused on re-rolling or I'll even re-describe it a little bit as like comps that don't go to level eight or nine, right? Try to try to keep their comp at some core seven units and, and build up more of those, more of those three stars. And I think there's a really fair uh, uh, challenge to the core of this question for future set design and balance, which is 
how can those builds still have a lot of decision-making and being fun? We're not looking for compositions that are like, hey, obviously you know the exact six or seven units that you're just going to play and you would never play anything else and you're just going to re-roll forever until you hit or don't hit them. We don't want that as the, as the goal for the game. We want you to be like, hey, where I'm at in the lobby and with how much health I have and how everyone else is doing, how do I progress the strength of my build from here? Rerolling should obviously be one of those options, but it should almost never feel like the only option. Right. To get a little, yeah, I'm sure that will satisfy Melk. I know that, I know. that elaborate, well thought answer that focuses yes. on the nuance of design will definitely be one that resonates with him personally. I hope so. Right. I hope so. What, yeah. What's important to know is that everyone else that submitted questions submitted it in normal formatting, and Milk typed his in all caps. It's so true. You know that it was very much a, a Milk question. Yes, it was poor grammar. <laughs> uh, the next question is from Kiting is hard. Oh, yes. very clearly we're going to the community for these questions. Yes. Can Cassio get a range buff so she's not melee range every fight? Mm, so uh, I'd I make the argument uh, that 420 range or two-ish hexes is not melee range. Um, but uh, she definitely has a short range, and this is very intentional. Um, when we looked at Cassiopeia, we have a very different type of carry-ish unit at four costs, right? She's definitely doing damage, and you can invest damage items into her. Uh, but we think it's important for champion design that champions have weaknesses and problems that they need to solve. And in Cassiopeia's case, it's, yeah, she's going to kind of get into the mix of things. She's going to be taking damage. Do you need Mystic to protect her? Do you need to put a defensive item or two on her? Do you need to position in some weird way to try to keep her alive? Do you put RFC on her so that she doesn't actually walk into melee range? Um, we want players to be answering these these questions, um, and and Cassiopeia just has a, a slightly different style of, of of carry than a lot of our other more put them in the back row and let them do their thing carries. Hey, uh, this is this is not from the mailbag, but one question I meant to ask um, and had forgotten to ask. The what's interesting to me is that sometimes you guys embrace a skin line name like Battlecast, and other yeah. times you don't, like Pulsefire. Yes. Um, what is the the reasoning behind that, and is it is it a difficult decision? I mean, obviously, like if you had Pulsefire and Battlecast, those are two themes that are so relevant to League of Legends fans that perhaps like it might be more understandable. And I think most of the Pulsefire stuff is under Chrono, right? Uh, yes. So we uh, we answer we we look at thematic uh, groupings and s- visually similar groupings on the skin level first, then we attach a name to it. So yes, while the starting point for Chrono was a lot of, you know, thematically cohesive and similar-ish looking Pulsefire skins, you know, Wukong is in there, right? And that's not a Pulsefire skin, that's a Lancer Paragon, I'm going to, Lancer something, I'm going to forget the exact exact Yeah, something. And sometimes we even, we subvert in the other direction. Battlecast has three champions in it that are not Battlecast champions. (laughs) It's got Eternum, uh, Cassiopeia, Nocturne, and it has resistance Alawi who has battle cast like origin so we're, we're we're trying to do whatever is is simple and intuitive for tft players that sometimes will be the same answer that league of legends came to but very often it will not and sometimes we run pretty far away from it right when when we had project which is a very strange word out of the context of project lore and being an acronym and stuff we said let's not do that let's do something more understandable and relatable like, yeah. like cybernetic <laughs> That makes sense. Okay. And then the final question is from Valorant Pilar. I hope, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Have you guys thought about the interaction between the giant mech and the unit, unit ergot? Should one unit counter an entire trait? Mm. Yep. So, I, I mean, I talked about ergot a little bit early earlier in the show. Um, and I, we are embracing with ergot's design that he's allowed to kill any unit, no matter how how, how tanky or how defensive or how super of a mech it is um and so that is true um uh, the word counter always gets a little bit sticky too right because no we, we definitely don't want to say hey if you're playing mech and there's an ergot on the other side of the field you just lose uh that 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 would be wrong uh but we don't believe that that is true and and actually a lot of the the early evidence is that's definitely not true that there's not only ways for you to still play back, but also play mech into into Urgot. Um, so things are allowed to be answers to other things. 
Um, they shouldn't be definitive or, or unrespondable unrespond- answers. And so uh, this this will be a tough one. I mean, it's a, it's a big a big big tanky unit, and Urgot's going to eat them right up. But uh, uh, we've seen so- signs that this is not a, a like hard counter type problem. Is there is there? I don't know if this person works at Riot, uh, but there's something in the Twitch chat that's saying, and maybe this is from a Mort thing. Uh, Urgot originally ate the mech and all the pilots inside of it. Is that true? <laughs> Yes, there were versions of it got to also kill kill the pilots. Yes, so that is that is from a a a, 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 a riot. I don't even know how to say his chimerics. How do you say your username? I, I apologize to, to you. Work with this individual, yeah. and you Giovanni, got... Giovanni, wonder wonderful designer on the TFT team. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, we we tried stuff like that. Uh, uh, but but yeah, may have been just too far on that on that uh that. How long did that last for? That sounds insane. Um, it lasted. It was on a very early version of Urgot. We actually were testing. I don't know if we've talked about this very much, but we were testing Urgot as the champion that was releasing when Zareth released. So he was actually on a totally different track, and we tried very different versions of him. Where he had we had version with Fear Bomb. We had version where his ult was blockable. We had version where he had no mana ramping stuff like that. So Urgot's gone through a lot of a lot of versions, um, and I, I'll say that not all of them were originally intended to. There were versions of Urgot where he was still killing the mech and all of its pilots, and that was a bug. So, <laughs> I mean, that does I seem like that, something that, that I would think that be, even happened a little bit on 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 PVE. Actually, that might have been either Urgot or Battlecast, but we definitely had some reporting of uh, uh, mechs dying without without pilots e- e- ejecting. So that's that's a tragedy. All right, uh, <laughs> is there? Is there anything, uh, Frodan, that towards the end of the show here you want to shout out, plug, because we're winding things down? Yeah, I want to plug the Giant Slayer series. We actually didn't get a chat much about it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of streamers that we invited for uh, this week as well as Witrock. And we wanted to just basically open up and have like a big fun show. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people are streaming and also practicing because there's some tournaments happening. And Giant Slayer series next week, I'll be casting again with Doe. It'll be. Uh, really interesting to watch. Um, so definitely check it out here. So just you know, already hit the follow button if you aren't already, and make sure to set your clocks for 12 p.m. Pacific uh, on Monday next week. Set all your clocks for it. That's I right. Like, I like that. Uh, Whitrock, thank you for coming on the show. Is there anything yeah. that you want to say to all the TFT fans out there, uh, especially as we're celebrating the release of the set? Yeah, I think I, I mean I, my shout out is to all the people who play tft it's been awesome since the the initial announcement in in june of last year to see the crazy amount of response that the tft has gotten um i've been so happy that people have also kind of gone on this journey with us in a in a relatively new genre where we're all learning a lot about how 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 the game can work and what the best version of this game is um and so hopefully you stick with us hopefully if you're in the mood to play tft you're playing some tft and if you you know want to want to play some other games and and come back later that's that's okay too but uh yeah i'm, I'm just always blown away by 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 our players it's, it's super cool uh it's i mean i've i've been really enjoying this game for a very long time and i think as we mentioned kind of earlier in the show it's fun because the nature of the game allows you to kind of like dip in and, and dip out at times. And uh, I think with this set in particular, in the mid-set update, I'm really excited to get back into it. Uh, and by the way, tune into Fight Night tomorrow night because I know that they've got some pretty cool stuff and we'll see right. how people react as well. So, uh, hey, thanks everyone for watching. Uh, thank you to Whitrock for coming on. Thanks, of course, to Froden and Giant Slayer for uh, doing this show and giving me the opportunity to talk TFT every couple of weeks. That's it for us. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Team Fight Talk Show.